together. I always love to see uh, your smiling faces and uh, appreciate everybody who's tuning in online. I encourage you to say hi and uh, let us know you're there. And any thoughts that you have throughout the service, go ahead and go ahead and put them in there. If there's something that sticks out to you, it may help somebody else uh, stick out to them as well. So praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us. We're going to continue the stories of the Bible, and we're specifically talking about Israel. What is it, what is it that God is about in the world? In our lives, we can get a glimpse of that as we look into these stories of the past. So we're, you can put this one up, Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those, uh, if you remember, you read through your Bible, right? You find these, God saying, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. What is God up to in the world? What was God up to back then? Well, these stories were all given for our learning. And uh, let's, uh, let's read this scripture and then let's pray. This is Romans 15, verse 4. It says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. Notice, as we look back into these stories, we can process our life through these stories. We can, as this says, we can learn. We can find patience. We can find comfort. We can find hope. As we process our life through the Bible and the Bible's record of history, these are not just simply fairy tales. These are stories of people that have encountered God, and it helps us know how we can encounter God, how we can know God. How God has dealt with people throughout history is the way that he always has and always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's pray together and just ask the Lord to help us. Father, we, uh, we come to you in Jesus' name. We ask for your Holy Spirit to grip our hearts, give us fresh and new insight, give us fresh and new comfort and patience and fresh hope today as we submit our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember, we've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Isaac. We've talked about how Isaac had to move beyond just his father's faith into his own faith. And the same disciplines that the father had, the son had to embrace. The disciplines of prayer and disciplines of worship, disciplines of of giving, all those things were were part of digging the wells, and and that's one of the reasons why we have reinstituted, and we've always prayed prior to the service, but we, we're opening that up at ten thirty. If if you want to come and pray, if you have prayer needs, if you want to just pray and put yourself in agreement with what God wants to do, God wants to do special things, and. Special things only flow from the well from which they flow. And that is God, seeking God, us humbling our hearts to God. And so um, that's one of the things I wanted to make mention, and Cassidy will make mention of it at the end as well. So moving into Jacob's life. Now, obviously, these are broad strokes that we're taking these characters. 
And today I want to talk about two events in the like life of Jacob. Now, if you remember, Jacob has a twin brother, Esau. So Isaac and Rebekah have twins. And those twins actually wrestled within their mother's womb to the point where the mother is praying and saying, God, like, what's going on? And God speaks to her about these two boys and about the trajectory of their life. And it says that Jacob, or sorry, Isaac loved Jacob, or Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So it gives us a little glimpse into how the Bible gives us the story straight. There's dysfunction. There's favoritism. We, we see all kinds of things in Abraham's life. We saw things in Isaac's life. We saw how Esau, if you read through the, the chapter that we read last, last uh, Sunday, um, you find that Esau brought a lot of turmoil into the family. But this whole idea of family dynamics, whole idea of family dysfunction, we, we all have to deal with it, like every one of us. And the Bible doesn't whitewash it. It actually just puts it out there. And these stories help us process life. It helps us by touching the deepest places of where we are and who we are. God uses stories to speak to your heart. These stories have been rehearsed and meditated and repeated for thousands of years. And they've guided people who want to be led by God. Esau did not want to be led by the promises of God, the blessings of God. Esau, it says, despised his birthright. He despised what God intended his life to be about. Now, you can see how there's two pathways we can take. We can either say, God, I, I believe that you have something for me, and what you have for me is what's best for me. That's Jacob. But Jacob doesn't just arrive there. We'll talk about that just in a moment. But Esau just despised it, was not interested in it. It says he sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. In other words, he was in it for the immediate gratification. He sacrificed the future promise and blessing for immediate gratification. And, you know, I work with people who struggle with addiction. Um, you know people who struggle with addiction. We all, to some degree, struggle with things that we want what we want and we want what we want now. And that's sacrificing the future for immediate grat gratification. I, I don't want to get too, too deep in that, but I just want to pray for maybe somebody that's online, maybe somebody that's here, maybe struggling with getting your eyes off of this immediate gratification, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, any, any overindulging attitude, food, uh, TV. God, I just pray right now, Lord, you just prompt me by your spirit, Lord, to help us get our eyes off of ourselves. As we worship you today, I, I could sense your Holy Spirit trying to get our eyes off of ourself and off of our circumstances and onto you. So, God, I pray that our focus would shift 
that our eyes would go to you, that we'd dare trust you with our future. So, Lord, we just submit that to you in Jesus' name. And if that's, uh, if that's somebody uh, online or, or wherever, I'd love uh, to hear from you. You can email us, info at New and Living Way, and we'd love to pray for you and uh, mix our faith with you. So Jacob and Esau, two brothers wrestling in the, in the womb, and one is Esau is this, this, this guy who's a hunter, a skilled hunter. Jacob is more of a mild man who lives in tents, and so there's this, there's this dichotomy of two, two people living out their life. But as we go into this story, I, I want to just focus on two events. So Jacob wants the blessing of God. He wants God's will for his life, but he uses his own tactics to get it. Now, that's a lot of us in, the, in Christendom. We, we think we have to fight and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, manipulate, to try to get what we sense in our heart God wants to give us, blessing and promise. Notice how we've talked about blessing and promise all the way through every character. God comes with blessing and promise, blessing and promise over and over again. But Jacob is a manipulator. He tricks his bro brother out of the blessing. He, he talks him out of his birthright because his brother doesn't care about it, but he also tricks him out of his blessing. And you can read the, these, these stories from Genesis 26 all the way through to where we get to Joseph. And Joseph's going to pick up a whole new narrative, which is an amazing, amazing story. But Jacob is an amazing story. How he, he is manipulating have any of us struggled with what we look like to other people? And so we tend to shade the truth or manipulate the circumstance, the situation, because we don't think we'll be blessed. We don't things think things would go good for us. Well, that's an indication that we're trusting in ourselves. Remember, God is able to fulfill promise in spite of our flaws and our failures. If we just dare to trust him, Abraham experienced that. Isaac experienced that. Now Jacob is having to learn how to trust in the God of his father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who wants to father us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. So his brother gets so upset with him, Esau gets so upset with him that he wants to kill him. And so his mom says, well, go to my brother Laban and go Go find a wife there and flee from your brother Esau so that you could be protected. And on this journey, this is the first event I want to talk about. On this journey, he has this encounter with God. So you could put that up there, place of encounter. That Jacob is a man just like you and I, a human being, just like you and I, he's fleeing the turmoil, but he comes upon this place, and this is what the Scripture says, and this, you can find this event in uh, Genesis 28. It says, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and it touched and reached to heaven, and there were angels of God that were ascending and descending on it. 
This is a dream that Jacob has. When he just comes upon a place, he finds this stone, this improbable pillow that he rests upon. And when he falls asleep, he has this dream. And this dream he has is this open heaven and there's commerce that there is going on. And it's connecting heaven to earth that, that there is this divine encounter, this place of connection. It harkens back to Genesis, where God takes from the dust of the ground and then breathes into him the spirit of life, this heaven-to-earth connection. And God's wanting Jacob to know there's more things going on than you realize. God is up to something good in this world, in your life. Jacob has this dream, and God begins to speak to him about the promises that he gave to Abraham and Isaac. And he said, I'll bless you too. Just follow me, and I'll prosper you. And Jacob wakes up from the dream, and he says, God was in this place, and I did not even know it. And he takes the stone, and he anoints it, and he takes it and makes it this, this altar See, he's embracing some of the disciplines of Isaac, of his father Abraham, where he, there's this monument, this altar that he makes, this point of contact that he goes, I, I know, I met God here today. And he was profoundly impacted by it. And then it says he committed to the Lord that he would give a tithe of everything that he ever, ever prospered in. And wh what does that speak of? Well, Isaac tithed, his, his father, Abraham tithed. The, these, are, these are disciplines. These are, these, are, these are disciplines that sons pick up from their father so that they could walk in the blessing. They don't earn blessing. They just position our hearts to receive God's blessing. Because what is tithing? I mean, I, I'm using that because when you read through the story, he says, I'll give a tithe to all. Well, he gave a tithe, but he also gave an, he made, he made an altar. He dug wells. He, all the things that his father did, he did. He began to do. He, he began to see the meaning in it, the significance of it. Tithing is, is just saying, God, everything I have comes from you. And therefore, I respond back to you. This is... Isaac, or sorry, Jacob's response to this encounter, because every encounter we have, God will lead us into disciplines that create parameters to facilitate the relationship. Remember when we haven't gotten there yet, but Moses and, and God gives the Ten Commandments. But see, God encounters them first, says, I want to follow you, I want to lead you. And then he gives them the parameters of the relationship, things that will help the relationship grow and flourish and protect the relationship. Those disciplines, those Ten Commandments, are things that help nurture the relationship. The first are the first four of the Ten Commandments are our relationship with God. The second six are our relationship with other people. Anytime we want to engage in a relationship in a deeper way, we engage in disciplines. Like, Phone me. Let, let me know when you're late. Uh, being transparent. Being open and honest. 
not lying, anything, all those things we put in place, limitations to the relationship, we're devoted to one person because we want the relationship, we want to go deeper. And I just bring that up because this, this place of encounter for Jacob has, has touched him, has, has impacted him in, in a deep way. What are some of those moments maybe for you Places that, like Jacob said, God, you're here, and I did not even know it. Places that God touched you, God spoke to you. I remember, I remember a time. I can, I can think of many moments, and and it's not like when I say many, it's not like this happens every every month, every day or even every year, but I can remember moments in my life that changed the trajectory, the direction of my life. So I could bring up a number of those, but let me just bring up one. I remember fasting and praying. I was in a transition season of my life, and I was just praying and reading the Word and fasting, and God opened the Bible up to me in such a unique way. I'd, I'd never really experienced that before, that the Holy Spirit would come alongside me and just lead me from Scripture to Scripture to Scripture to Scripture. And that so impacted me. It so shaped me. I was seeking Him for direction, and God opens up His Word to me, and He, and he gives me direction, but He gives me insight into His Word that like I've never had before. And I was so excited about that experience, and it shaped me. But then I realized after it, like, it was almost like God didn't answer what I wanted him to answer. He gave me something else. And little did I know that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, ministering the way I'm ministering now, but it shaped me. It was like this this Jacob experience where heaven was open to me. And I had this glimpse of God moving and ministering to me in a, in a very, very unique way. So I, I'd encourage you to seriously consider, what, what are those encounters for you? What, what, have you had those encounters? Have you had those, those moments with God? And I want to refer to this Scripture, because Jesus uses this very encounter with Jacob when he comes across a man named Nathaniel. And Scott read the scriptures today out of John chapter 1. That Philip finds Nathaniel and says, come and see this Jesus. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, he knew the promises of God. He was a person of the word. But he was a little bit despondent, a little bit jaded. And then Jesus comes along and he says, behold, he looks at Nathanael and says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathanael says, how do you know me? And and Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. 
Is that a profound statement to any one of us? None of us. Because we don't know what happened under the fig tree. But something intimate happened under the fig tree between his, him, his heart, and God's heart. Because when he said those words, he said, Nathaniel immediately said, you are the Messiah. That there was something that awakened in him. There was some kind of interaction. There was some kind of moment that Nathaniel had under the fig tree that Jesus was connecting in this moment. Now, we're talking New Testament, right? We're talking Jesus is going back to Jacob's story because he goes on later and he says, you, you will see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending upon the Son of God. But Jesus is making this specific point of Nathaniel. I know you. Remember Jacob. I came across this place and God was here and I didn't even know it. Every one of our hearts, God has been doing more things. There's been more commerce going on. There's been more things that God has been doing in this earth, in this world, in your life whether we're aware of it or not. But what we can do is open our hearts. But see, Nathaniel opened his heart, and God connected with him in, in the secret place, in this intimate place between him and God. What was said under the fig tree? What was, what was Nathaniel struggling with? What was his prayer? What did, when Jesus showed up and he saw him and encountered this fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures that he expected to come to happen, maybe Nathaniel was struggling with this, like, we're, we've been waiting and trusting for the Messiah to come for hundreds of years, and all we live under is Roman oppression. Have you ever wrestled with God? Because Nathaniel, I believe, did. And the second event I want to speak about is Jacob wrestling with God. After this moment that he begins to have a relationship with God and God begins to prosper him, he meets his new uh, future-to-be wife, Rachel. He goes to live with Laban. Laban manipulates him and just very similar to what Jacob did to people. He was kind of reaping what he was sowing, and, and he gets a wife, Leah, and then he has to wait another seven years, gets another. You can read the story for yourself. But God, in it all, prospers him in an amazing way. And then Esau comes back on the scene, and Esau, he, Jacob's going to encounter him again. And so, you know, you can imagine somebody wanted to kill you, and there's this moment of like, okay, in confrontation. But then he comes to this place. He gets himself alone. And this is what the scriptures say here in Genesis 32. Then Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. 
this this place of encounter, this place of wrestling with God. And again, you can read the story for yourself, and I'd encourage you to read it and meditate on it. But here he has this encounter with this man that he comes to find out it's God himself. That he engages in this wrestling match and he wants to be blessed. But he won't let God go until he blesses him. And then God touches the hip of his socket and, and then blesses him and changes his name. Well, one of the things that can guide our thoughts through this is how... In our spiritual walk, there's a lot of wrestling. There is not one spiritual person in the Bible that did not wrestle and wrestle with God. God, who are you? What do you have for my life? What is my purpose? Do you even exist? How do I deal with this turmoil in my family? How do I deal with this this fear that comes against me? And we wrestle, we wrestle with, with, with God. But see, what this story teaches us and what it teaches us about Nathaniel's story is Nathaniel somehow engaged fully with God and had a heart cry to God. Jacob fully engages God. It says he wrestled with God all night long. There's this full engagement, full on God, I want to know. Have you ever gone to God and said, God, I, I just, I, I want to know. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I don't know if I really want to know. I don't really know if I want what God wants for me. But our hearts change. They change over time as we just continue to seek God and as we wrestle with God. When we wrestle with the difficult things of life, of how, how terrible things happen, how a good God allows suffering in the world. Do, do you know that most people, this is a little side note, but most people will not receive ultimate justice in this lifetime. I just ministered this message in, uh, in the prison that God is about ultimate judgment and ultimate justice. But that ultimate justice and judgment will not fully be realized in this lifetime. And those who have experienced the freedoms and liberties like we have in Canada should be the ones that serve those who are less fortunate, those those who need the hand up, the help out, because most of this planet is living under injustice. You know, even our legal system I'm going to get off track here. Even our legal system is a legal system. It's not a justice system. It doesn't always mediate justice. It's a legal system. And if you can work the system, you, you can manipulate it. See, that's a Jacob kind of life. Just manipulate the system. Get the most what you can out of it. But see... There's some things that come to our lives and into our lives like Jacob and his experience with Esau. And there's this amazing story of Esau and Jacob being reunited and reconciled. It's an amazing story. But before that happens, Jacob wrestles with God. 
He fully engages God. Th- think about that idea of wrestling. I, I, I've played a lot of sports, hockey, football, basketball. Uh, all, but I wrestled a little bit. I've never competed in wrestling, but I took a wrestling class in university. I wrestled around with my roommates when I was playing football in the States. They were from Iowa, and they were all wrestlers. And we'd wrestle around our whole apartment. There was nothing that I ever experienced in athletics that was more exhausting than wrestling. I just remember just taking every ounce of my energy. What does it mean when we wrestle with God? When we say we're fully engaging God on this issue. And we start to wrestle God. What, What are we trying to do? We're trying to move God in a way that maybe he's not in the... That's not what God has. But we try to wrestle with Him, and it, and, it, and it drains us. And any time, listen, this, this may not go with the culture and the, and the, what's the word, the comfort of our culture. I mean, we got lots of turmoil in this culture, but we live a comfortable lifestyle. And so we tend to make God in our own image, that God is just all love, all, all uh, uh, no discipline. But the Bible clearly tells us, and you can read it in Hebrews 12 and all through the Bible, that those who he loves, he disciplines and he chastens and he scourges. Every son in whom he receives, God is not going to change for your benefit. You don't want God to change but we want God to change. We we should want God's will, but we don't always want God's will. In the back of our minds, we have fears, we have this wrestling, and God, God touches us in certain ways. Jacob was touched. Like, if, if you think about the God in whom we engage the eternal God of the universe. Certainly it shouldn't be out of the question that God would touch us in a way that was painful, but for our good, always for our good, always for our benefit. Jacob in this moment is touched. He's both, he's both wounded and blessed. It goes on to say that his identity changes. God uses the name Israel because Jacob is going to have 12 sons and it's going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. And God is moving in his life. But listen, this is a picture of the spiritual life. It's not all a bed of roses because God is wrestling with human wills. He's wrestling with my will. There's moments in my, my life where I have so wrestled with God that God, like, I was sure this is what you wanted, and then it's not what happened. I could tell you story after story of times that I've had to go back and wrestle with God. God, why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? But at the end of the day, I say, God, I'm, I'm not letting you go. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not releasing this. I'm fully engaging, and I'm letting you touch me 
I'm letting you change the way I walk. That's what happens to Jacob. He lives with a limp for the rest of his life. It changed the way he walked. It changed the way he saw God. So every one of us has to ask ourselves, have, have we been wounded? Have we been blessed? Because every man, woman of God has been wounded. But every man, woman of God, God has promise and blessing. And he will move us through the difficult seasons of our life. Bring reconciliation. Bring life. Bring, bring the goodness. And change who we are. Dare we let God touch us in ways that change who we are? And that's the question. And that's really the two stories I wanted to highlight today. Is that what kind of encounters have you had with God? Those, those moments of God was here and I did not know it, but I, I just know the heavens were open. I just, I, maybe it was experiencing a certain vocation or experiencing a relationship that the heavens were open. You just knew that God was in it and God was speaking to you about it and God was releasing you and leading and guiding and he was closer than you thought. He had you in mind more than you realized. But the second part of it is, what are the wrestling matches? What are the wrestling matches that you have with God? And what God is saying, as I am here to fully engage you, God wrestles with Jacob all night. Not only does Jacob not let go of God, but God does not let go of Jacob. God is fully engaged in your struggle, in your doubts, in your fears, in your wrestling. And he wants to change your identity. He wants to give you what he has for you. He wants to fulfill the promise. But we have to fully engage. And it won't be easy. I, I, I realize this, this may not be like the message of this culture, even in Christendom. But God comes to us to give us what's best. God will do better for us than we would do for ourselves. And I have struggled and wrestled with that all of my life. So in this moment, in this time that we have together, let's, let's pray together. Let's, let's give our hearts to the Lord. Let's allow God to speak to us. Even, even now, if you're online, you're listening, I encourage you to pray this prayer. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I just encourage you to do that right now by praying this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I repent of my sin. I ask you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to become the person that you want me to be. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord.